baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 971 FM Talk Podcast. chance to reflect on the Afghanistan debacle over the weekend. I think I was walking around the grocery store. I get so much thought work done walking around the grocery store. I know a lot of guys, what you're supposed to say is that you get thought work done while you're cutting the grass or working on the car. Those things are fine. And I, I do that while I'm cutting the grass. I'm not much of a car guy. But I, for some reason, when I shop, even if it's just for fruits and vegetables and milk, uh, I get a lot of thought work done. So I was doing that yesterday, walking around Schnooks and thinking about a year ago, the Afghanistan situation. And it's, it's like so many other things. The, the reason it hurts so bad is because it's self-inflicted. It was completely avoidable. So I'm going to dive into that a little bit here. Ryan Wiggins here. This is Wiggins America. I'm very glad to be with you this morning and glad to be here. It's a privilege for me. So thank you for that. Um, but like so many other things... You know, the economy, health care, violence, these are are self-inflicted wounds. These are political problems with political solutions. And yes, I always say, and many others do too, that politics is downstream from culture. And then I'll take it a step further and say that culture is downstream from morality or spirituality. So it's not as if that's the root problem. But these are, you know, the border, for instance, having a lot, a lot, lot of illegal immigration. Four million people roughly now have crossed over our border in the last year and a half. That is a political problem with a political solution. Now, if we had the will to address it, that now that you're getting into the root causes, then we could. But Afghanistan, to me, was such a, <clears throat> it was it was in the same vein as all these other problems in that we didn't have to experience this this way, but it was on an international stage and it was just embarrassing for me, at least as an American, to cover this in the industry that I'm in. And I think that when I was talking about it, this was last year, uh, Annie, was, Annie Fry was on uh, maternity leave. And so I was filling in and I got to sort of sit in the big chair and, and cover this live with you. It was the first time I had really done that as a solo host. And it was it was just it was sad, and I felt sad for us. I felt sad for uh, our soldiers, and I felt sad, honestly, really for Afghanistan because there's so many people there that don't want to be under Taliban rule. They don't want to be under this terrorist nightmare, and we just drop them right back into it. Here's 20 years off. We're going to give you, and now you're back into it. So as I was walking around Schnooks yesterday, of course, thinking about these things and kind of just ruminating on them, I thought this is one of those situations where you'd say people died because of bad, bad decision making. 
but we overuse that phrase a lot. I actually found a compilation of Democrats using emotional manipulation on a variety of issues. So I just brought up some issues, but some of those literally, if, if for instance, if we had a more secure border, it's not as if we would have no illegal immigration, even in the best of times when we had agreement on this topic, there still was illegal immigration that would happen. And people would die because of that. The d- dangerous situations, crossing rivers, crossing deserts. But when you open it up completely like they have now, you just exacerbate that problem and you have more and more people, among other things, I mean, many other things, drugs and and just the the strain it puts on so many different infrastructure problems that, that the border border states are facing, but then they're, they're all over the country now too. Um, but those things are so much worse than they need to be because of the decisions that our leadership has made. Afghanistan was that we don't know exactly what would have been like if Trump had been a president for another four years, he probably would have continued the drawdown slowly. And then eventually would that vacuum have been filled by the Taliban? Possibly. But it would have looked very, very different than people clinging to planes and falling off of them desperate to get out of this regime because they knew they were going to get killed by it. They, were, they would rather take their chance hanging onto a plane. I mean, that's bad. That's bad, bad news. Literally, people died and more people die, like the border situation, than need to be because of bad decisions at the top. However, in all situations, Democrats are willing to say, theoretically, people will die if you don't and manipulate you emotionally. So this is that compilation that I found. I think you'll find it enlightening. And it brings up so many, a lot of the people, you might recognize their voices, but nearly all of them are famous enough that this isn't just some random person on the internet saying this. This is somebody you'd recognize from news or entertainment saying People are going to die because of the decisions you've made. People are dying. People will die. Women are going to die, Gail. Women will die. If you are also not going to allow trans kids to play sports, children will die. We've seen that trans kids suffer from extremely high suicide rates. But to hear a 10-year-old say that they would rather die than experience male puberty. The most comprehensive study to date on climate change predicts more and more people are going to die from air pollution if changes are not made. People are suffering and dying. People are dying. These policies kill. People will die. People die. How many more people have to die to get some gun control? Your mistake is killing the children in your state. This decision and this policy will kill people. We are also going to see a lot of South Dakota women die because of this. It's not an extreme statement to say that women will die. I thought I was going to die. People are dying because of misinformation. How many more Americans have to die? People are dying and will die who don't have to die. This is a death cult. Let's get on with the dying. So I think you probably recognize most of those voices on there. That last one was Beto O'Rourke, if you didn't recognize that one. But most of them you do. Greta Thunberg, and I think I pronounced that right. Obama and Kamala Harris, and then many others. AOC and people from entertainment, Ellen Page, and a whole lot of people. I think I just dead named her because I don't know what she calls herself now. Um, But all these people will use all these instances to tell you that you are evil because 
of the decisions that policymakers are making that you vote, you might agree with, or you might vote for, that are causing somewhere along the line, like like climate change, to cause people to die. And that we're talking about some really indirect lines that they're drawing there. But I think what bothers me most, and I didn't even make this connection until I was listening with you just now to that clip, that we're when we talk about people are dying on issues that I'm talking about, and in this segment at the beginning was talking about, you're talking about direct. You're not talking about indirect, you know, you made me feel a certain way, therefore I got depressed, therefore um, my friends said I, su- I should commit suicide on TikTok. These are those are very indirect lines that they're drawing. I'm talking about direct lines between we decided to pull out of Afghanistan in this way and a lot of people died because of it. And we don't even know how many untold amount of uh, Afghanis have died <clears throat> because they were on the US's side. If you were siding with us when we left, you got killed. And we don't know how many of those happened since we left. I mean, we really don't. We were trying to get everybody out, and we could, but you can't get everybody out. And the other line between the border thing I I think I was drawing, I think that makes sense, right? I mean, you're talking about when you have illegal border crossings at a low rate, you have less people that get hurt or injured or die. You get less sex trafficking. You get less drugs. When you open that completely up, all of those things, it's not as if they didn't exist before, but all of them accelerate. All the numbers go up. That's a direct line between political decisions and people's well-being. So I just think that it it was worth playing that to show how often people on the left are using that emotional manipulation and not just fringe people. We're talking about major entertainers and major politicians are using that all the time. So I think next time you hear it, you'll be... On the, on the alert, and you'll go, oh, wait, I'm, I'm being manipulated here. Maybe that'll help a little bit. This is Wiggins America this morning. Thank you for being here. Again, my honor to be here this morning. And uh, coming up next, a guest I think you will like a lot. His name is Ian Camacho from Look Ahead America. Now, I've had him on Wiggins America before, but he is going to talk about an update. Here's what I like about Look Ahead America, and he's the director of research we're going to talk to here. They look at factual claims and evidence of voter malfeasance. And then they talk to the secretaries of state and the AGs and, and anybody involved up and down the line. Sometimes they're much lower. Sometimes they're talking to Brad Raffensperger, secretary of state of Georgia. You know, they, they talk to all these people and they say, look, these are real issues. And those people trust them because they're not coming up with crazy claims. They're saying, here are the facts. We need to solve this stuff. That's one of the reasons I love talking to them. And again, he's next. Ian Camacho, look at America next here on Wiggins America. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk. This is Wiggins America. Talked to Ian Camacho from Look Ahead America a couple times and wanted to have him back because you guys, Ian, you continue to do great work. Thanks for being here. 
Thanks again for having me on, Ryan. I appreciate it. So I'm looking at the different things in this uh, in this report that you've put out here. Is it is it focused on the Wisconsin Election Commission stuff? Because I see a lot of other things that I want to ask you questions about, though. Um, well, that's one of the projects we're working on. But, yeah, we are looking at a bunch of states in this report, uh, Wisconsin being one of them. But we also have Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina, a couple other states in there. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at that that in particular about uh, those states and double voters. What have you found as far as people who've either either they voted twice or somebody else voted on behalf of them again? Right. So we that's what we're checking into. Um when we bring it to the attention of the DAs or the clerks or the Secretary of State, we say it's possible this person's a victim of fraud, but it's also possible that they were the ones who double voted. Um, we, one of the ones we, I think we actually mentioned on the previous call, uh, with Wisconsin and Arizona, we confirmed one uh, in Yuma. Um, we just, we, back when uh, 2000 Mules movie like came out, um, they were taking credit and saying, oh, you know, this is because of our movie. And the sheriff said, actually, no, it's not. It's not related to your movie. Um, but I do know one of those 16 cases that they announced is one of our guys. Uh, actually, it's a woman, but I won't go too much into the details just until the investigation is done. But she had voted in Marathon County and in Yuma, Arizona. Um, we showed the property records. We showed the vote records. We showed the national change of address. We showed, like, this is the same house. Here's some articles with there. Like, we, like, here you go. Right, check into this. Um, so that was kind of cool to get confirmation on the Wisconsin side being like, yeah, we checked this out, the Wisconsin Election Commission. Um, it was, it's validating, right? And the people who in the media were poo-pooing our work and saying, oh, it doesn't prove anything or there's no evidence whatsoever. Uh, it was nice to kind of say, nope, you're wrong. Here's the official source. So that's in our report. Yeah, Ian, how, how widespread do you find this particular issue of double voters, specifically in the states you're looking at, uh, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia, Florida? Is this something that is widespread or is it pretty isolated? Uh, in terms of it being like, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's in the millions or thousands. Um, that being said, we only looked at very small subsamples because we were doing statistical analysis, right? So we, you know, we picked a few hundred uh, out of the giant pool of potential voters who were flagged uh, because they had moved. And out of those, we found a handful of those were double voters. And so I was like, well, we have this evidence, which at least pass it off to the authorities as suggesting. So um, there's definitely more than are being reported in the media, that's for sure, because they say it almost never happens. But these also haven't been widely reported, right, mm-hmm. like the Yuma one did. Uh, Wisconsin hasn't announced it, so as far as you know, it's only happened in Yuma. Um, the ones in North Carolina haven't been announced. The ones in Florida haven't been announced. So it's definitely underreported in the media, that's for sure. So you're finding some, but you're also looking at small sample sizes that, if extrapolated, would end up being quite a few throughout a given state. Sure. Uh, would it overturn, like, a presidential election? Probably not. But would it overturn a local election? Possibly. Um, it very well. I mean, it really only takes... You know, the, the election's really close. It only takes, like, one or two votes. And like I said before, you know, you now need two people to overcome that one, you know, illegal vote, right? Because mm-hmm. you got, you're you canceled out, and then I would need to vote the same way you did in order to make up for that vote. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it very well could affect local, county, uh, municipal elections. So that's kind of what we're bringing forward, and, you know, we just want to 
bring the receipts. And that's what we were providing here in our last report. Let's talk about Yuma since you brought that up. Ian Camacho is with us, Look Ahead America's Director of Research. Yuma, Arizona, I, I would say it was probably about a month and a half. I, I may be a little off with the timing there that I was seeing their name pop up a lot. That I think it was, is it the sheriff there that said, we're really going to deep dive into what's going on in our county? Yeah, that came out around, uh, I want to say it was in May. Um, but we'd actually submitted this particular double voter back in, I want to say it was November of 2021. Uh, we actually held a, in a voter integrity rally uh, in December of last year um, over in Arizona and gave it to, at the time, I don't know if he's, I think he's still AG for now, but uh, AG Bernovich over there. Uh, never heard back from him. Um, but then later, yeah, Yuma did go and say, you know, we're looking into 16 cases uh, of different kinds. Uh, that's the one I'm, we know it's, that's one of the 16 cases. I don't know if anything else we've submitted their way. Um, but yeah, that, that's been out for a while. And that was having to do a lot with the, uh, there was like a primary voter in Arizona and that kind of got, got attention brought to it by 2000 mules, uh, through the vote. Dinesh D'Souza, all of them. That's kind of why they became like national at that point. Okay. Um, let's move beyond double voters, and I want to ask you about felons who have been voting. Which states are you looking at there? Uh, we're looking at a few, um, but this particular one that we put in this report, it was just—it was really egregious. It's a guy who voted in Georgia, uh, but he was on parole in Florida uh, for forgery, by the way. Um, and he uh, registered uh, while a felon and cast a ballot and depending on the version of the role uh, of the voter roll i read in georgia one says he was rejected one says he was accepted um so it kind of depends i know they kind of corrected after the fact but uh he at least attempted to cast a ballot that's for sure um, and he was on parole when he registered um so we did send it off to the georgia secretary of state investigations fraud, of fraud department uh they still have that case open I'm, i follow up with them every couple of weeks and they say we're still working on it so that one, you know, because usually if it's dismissed, they tell you pretty quickly. They're like, yeah, there's nothing here. You know, thank you anyway. Um, so that is it, it's, it's just validating for us to say, OK, a lot of these were questionable. And, and why? Did, and it's what, 2022 now? Right, Ryan? Like and these still haven't been looked at. I was on the impression that these were all getting looked at and flagged and like, nope, nobody caught these. No. So that's where we're trying to bring these to attention and say, hey, look, this guy you know, this should be looked at, right? Like these are a lot of things that the systems aren't catching. Um, volunteers on our team are what is making this happen. But a lot of people are just sitting on this supposed evidence they have and aren't sending it in. So that's why we've been trying to push it. But it is, it's slow, but we're being patient and trying to just keep, you know, uh, people who are following our work um, up to date with everything as it comes out. Yeah, and Ian, with Look Ahead America, I mean, you guys are doing, this is bipartisan. This isn't necessarily, you're trying to find Democrat votes. You're, you're trying to just look at things that everybody should agree. Yeah, we shouldn't have people who voted twice. Or we shouldn't have things that are against the law happening within our elections. And and when you're looking at even issues like this, we talked about the double voters, but with felons, is this another issue where, yes, we, we found this one guy, but we're looking at a small sample size. There could be more. Yeah. We're, we're focusing on one because we've got the facts here. Absolutely. We have, I mean, we've also... Uh, there's ones that we've submitted, um, you know, at a certain point, like there's just so much energy you just try to put in. We're, we're trying to hit so many different things. Um, but I, I've submitted one. I've submitted one before. There was a woman who had been, you know, arrested previously for like defrauding her mother of like 
tens of thousands of dollars or something like that before she died. A lot of actually people who we flag do tend to have criminal histories, which is kind of interesting. Not all. Um, I, you know, and sometimes we don't know. Are they the victims of it? Was it just an honest mistake? Was it clerical error? We don't know. We just say, hey, look, take a look at this. This got flagged. We don't know if you caught this. Um, and we, yeah, it, it, and as far as the bipartisan aspect of it, uh, yeah, some of the people we've submitted are Democrats, but also some of the people we've submitted are Republican. Um, some are flagged as third-party independents. So, and we don't know how they actually voted, right? We just know that that's what they're registered as, and we're saying take a look at this person right. um, because it could have affected. You know, it's something to look at, and I think a lot of people haven't been taking it seriously. But we do hope more people are starting to look at it on their local and state level because that's how you clean stuff up. But until that happens, that's what, and that's why we're trying to go very by the book and submit all the evidence and do it the right way, not just make grand claims and never like do anything with it. Yeah, so yeah. that's what we do. Well, that's one of the reasons I like talking to you is because I, I think this is one of those issues that a lot of people think either it, they turn a blind eye to it and say, well, this stuff never happens. Or they look at it and say it's so rampant that they're just hopeless. You know, our our elections are so gone that there's no fixing them. And I think there there really is is truth kind of in the middle of those things to say that well, more light is being shined on the dark stuff now than ever. And it's actually very encouraging that organizations like yours, Look at America, is doing this kind of stuff. Let me let me end on this, Ian. When you're talking to these states. You know, Arizona, Wisconsin, I think, are the two we talk about the most. But you guys talk to quite a few different officials at different states. Which states work with you the best? Which ones are, are looking at this and saying, yeah, we want to reroute this stuff out? And which ones are the hardest to work with? That's a good question. Um, well, I will say this. Right now we're focusing on Wisconsin because that's something that we can actually have boots on the ground for. Okay. Um, so we've, you know, we've contacted the various clerks there. Some have been responsive. Some have been actually super helpful. Um, and some have not been. Uh, and right now we're having people file formal complaints. We're submitting the evidence saying, hey, go ahead and you know, file against this person. We do it for you. We even reimburse them for the notarization and the mailing and the printing and all that, uh, which is great because we want to get people involved on their local level. Here's how to go about filing a formal complaint. Here's how to go about doing it. Um, and so because our organization has really always been about empowering the average person so that they can get involved and make a difference in their community. Um, so Wisconsin despite the issues there does have a lot of avenues that a lot of the other states I have found haven't um, to your question, as far as which ones are difficult, I have found Pennsylvania's uh, probably one of the harder ones. Michigan's one of the harder ones. Um, the ones that are kind of work with us better. Uh, the ones I have the most hope for, I guess I would say are Arizona, uh, Florida, Wisconsin, and Georgia, actually Georgia is their secretary of state um, investigations have actually been working with us pretty well. So those ones give me the most hope. Um, for the future. Well, that's so, good to hear. Yeah. That's very good to hear, especially about Georgia, because they don't have the best reputation on that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, it's also election season, so that could have something to do yeah, with it. That's so. true. <laughs> that's very, very yeah. true. Uh, Ian Camacho, Look Ahead America, Director of Research. You, you said that you're volunteer-based, so if, if people hear this and they're inspired and they want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? So great. they can always come to our website at lookaheadamerica.org. Um, they could sign up to be a volunteer. Um, if they can't do that, they're always welcome to donate, even if it's you know like five dollars or something. Um, we also have an Amazon Smile if that's too out of your way and inconvenient for it. You can you know purchase something helps us um, because you know those notarizations uh, of the you know the complaints, the filing, all that that does cost money. We try to keep the cost low. Um, we also have other events going on as well. Uh, we have a January 6th vigil going on tonight at the DC prison with Mickey Whithuff. 
the uh, mother of Ashley Babbitt. Um, so we have all kinds of things going on all the time. If you check out our website at lookaheadamerica.org or go to our Discord. We have a, a, over 3,000 members on Discord at discord.gg slash lookaheadamerica. And uh, you'll see me on there with uh, some other people. So it's a, it's a great time. It's a good way to get involved. Yeah, Ian, always appreciate your time and your work with Look Ahead America and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. I'm sure we will. It's been a real pleasure, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, Wiggins America, more on the way. Well, the most anticipated reboot ever is about to drop. And no, I'm not talking about the new Lord of the Rings. Apparently, I didn't even know about this. There's a whole new series coming out on Amazon Prime that is all within the Lord of the Rings universe. And I don't know if there's any of the characters returning or not, but it's a continuation of that same story. And apparently people are pretty excited about that. Not me. Didn't even know it existed. No, the important reboot that we're talking about here is, of course, Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap is coming back, and I'm super excited about it. That was my childhood, or at least my, yeah, it was childhood. I, you know, it was like mid-adult, and then I rewatched the whole series because in the early, you know, everybody knows the plot of Quantum Leap. He steps into the quantum accelerator, he disappears, and he keeps showing up in the past as different people, right? So it's kind of an anthology series in that sense, but later... So they tried to get, you know, it, it back in those days, you had to get your show to 100 episodes, otherwise it wouldn't get syndication. And that's where you really made the money. So they really tried to push shows to get to 100 episodes, even if they weren't popular anymore. And by the end of that series, it wasn't. It was not doing well. So in season five, even though it wasn't really popular anymore, there was all this crazy stuff they did to try to, I guess, just get some ratings back. That nobody really saw because people had just stopped watching it. After three, four seasons, for whatever reason, that show just dropped off a cliff. Well, that means season five had the craziest plot lines, and he had other people leaping into situations he was in. He was fighting Satan at some points in it, and he found out at the very end of the whole series that he had been working for God the whole time. But then he kind of disappears, and so you don't really know. So this series picks up where that one left off, and I'm very, very excited about it. It drops September 19th, so we have a date now, and it is a sequel, so we might see Dr. Sam Beckett come back if they can get, what's his name, Scott Bakula back on board. St. Louis's own Scott Bakula. But this one picks up where that one left off, this time focusing on Raymond Lee. He is the star of the show. Dr. Ben Siong is his name in the show. And they already released a trailer. It is of him in apparently the 80s. So this is what's kind of fun. That show was in the late late 80s, early 90s. I think it started maybe 1989 through about 1994 or something like that. So you got to see stuff that was 60s, 50s, 70s, that era. So now we're going to see a lot of 70s, 80s, 90s stuff, which is my generation. So I'm kind of excited about seeing the nostalgia of that. And the, the trailer that dropped is him looking in the mirror. He's dressed kind of as an 80s rock star. He looks in the mirror, and he sees that he is the female lead singer of a, a hair metal band. So I'm already like, look, I'm on board. I love it. I like the the continuity of it. So the, the every day is a different episode. That's cool. But I like the continuation of the story, too. And I really hope we see more of the evil leapers and who's working for God, who's working against Satan, the stuff they introduced in season five. Most people probably don't even know about that stuff, but 
I thought it was really, really fascinating. I urge you actually go back and watch season five of the original Quantum Leap, and you're going to be like I was. Like, what in the world happened here? This is some crazy stuff. So uh, that's all to set up that the new one's coming back on September 19th, so just a couple weeks away. I think it's on Peacock. It's an NBC show. So looking forward to that. Hey, stick around for just a minute here because Trisha is coming back in the studio. Man, we had a crazy conversation last hour. Maybe we'll pick that back up next here on Wiggins America. Trisha is back in studio after a uh, wow. Didn't expect, Woo. didn't expect us to talk about uh, anything regarding deep psychological psychics stuff. It messes with you. Yeah, it does. It messes with. Gosh, I bet there are more people than are willing to admit it that have had either psychic or supernatural things happen. I love stories like that. Mm-hmm. I just had my pastor in. Uh, about a month ago, yep. and if you're a regular listener of the show, you probably remember, just because he preaches the gospel, but he doesn't really talk about personal, uh, supernatural story. He ta- he'll tell personal stories, but not anything supernatural. And I love hearing stuff that's like, well, that, because it always is so important. I think I've said before that there's a there's a guy that I see often who runs a booth at the flea market I go to a lot. And when I was doing a TV show about people who died and came back to life it's called what it's like to die if you want to look it up but there's probably still stuff out on youtube from it um i he, i don't remember why i got talking to this guy about it but he's probably about 75 80 years old and he said when i was a really young guy probably 25 years old uh he, and he explained some kind of supernatural thing that happened to him and i don't remember exactly what it was but it was something involving his house and you know he felt like god spoke to him or had some random stranger come by and speak to, said something and walked away or something that was really supernatural. And he said, I've never forgotten that. That was, that was the very beginning of this guy's adulthood, you know? Yeah. And he's 80 years old and it's probably shaped the way he believes all of life. And it, those little things, they're rare, but when they happen, you really don't forget them. Mm-hmm. And we oftentimes will remember them wrongly, but you never really forget it. So I don't know if that was what, that was for you. I hope, almost hope it wasn't because I, I just am skeptical of it. But I don't know. It's the whole, it, it's the whole how much you believe in, mm-hmm. and can you be led to an outcome based on what you're told, yeah. or are you told things that are inevitable? Free will versus destiny. Yeah, it's that's a huge conversation. Uh, speaking of which, not exactly the same type of subject, but. On ch- at church on Sunday, this sounds like it's going to be hyper spiritual, but it's not. I was going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we did get it in a bathroom reference. <laughs> yep, yeah, I, we have to. And uh, I came back out and I walked past the nursery, and there's a bunch of kids. I mean, the nursery nursery where they're like one year old. They're just standing, you know, and they're just learning to walk. And I was like, oh, my kids are all over five. I, I don't. I'm not going to have any more babies, not that I know of, anyway. And so I kind of like leaned down and I was. I was just like 
saying hi to the baby standing at the gate and they're just shaking the gate, mm-hmm. you know, acting like they were j- jailbreaking. And last night, I I don't know if it was a dream, you know, like your brain puts these random things together. Well, this memory, a real memory, it wasn't a dream, came back from when I was a baby. What? And I don't re- I don't know how old I was. I might have been 5 years old, which if I was, that's not that miraculous. You know, you can have memories sure. from when you're 3, 4, 5. So I really don't remember how old I was, but I remember my mom was busy doing something and she had to drop me off at her friend's house, Jeannie, at the time. And I, I still have seen Jeannie in adulthood. They're still friends, but I remember, I've never been to her house. I remember her house distinctly because my mom dropped me off there and I did not know where I was and I did not want to be away from my mom. So I might've been two or three years old. I might've been five or six. I don't know. But I do remember, and it was the gate. That's what got me. I remember that she put a gate in front of the stairs going up into a loft, and that I was so offended <laughs> that, <laughs> that she would not trust me enough to be able to go up those stairs. So I, I think maybe I was a little bit older, and maybe there because I there was other kids there, but I don't remember the age of them. You're a super prideful baby. But I was so like you. You really do not trust me to use those stairs at all. The and nerve. I know that I could use those stairs. So that that's all. That's all it was. But it was just such a weird thing yeah. for that to randomly come back. Memories are bizarre, man. From how deep in my psyche. Yeah. So I just I, I tried to think of and I, I'll ask you the question, do you know can what is your earliest memory that you can grasp? I can grasp it's hard because you grasp bits and pieces. Yep. So I remember my cousin's two years younger than me, and I remember her being tiny and helping change her diaper, which would put me two, three. Oh, really? But I remember that because mm-hmm. my grandma would let me help nurture her. Mm-hmm. I think probably good for me, you know, yeah, and yeah. I thought it was cool to right. take care of a baby. It was like a baby doll. Right, exactly. Yeah. But one that was louder. That's No, that's messy. interesting because uh, I've tried to, knowing that fact, as my kids have grown up, I try to ask them, hey, do you remember when this happened? Do you remember when this happened? And the the twins are eight. When I ask them about things when they were five, they already had do have have no recollection. Little things here and there, if I've brought them up enough, they'll mm-hmm. remember. But my five-year-old, he doesn't remember things about when he was three or before. And I'm like, dang it, I was trying to help you guys remember these things. Well, I'll do you one. A little deeper on this. So the book I was reading in book club that I referenced was a lot about memory, specifically about elephant memory, but memory. And part of the book talks about how when you the way memories are like cataloged in your brain. So I started reading, read a big, long piece from the Smithsonian about a guy that was studying memory. And they used to think that if you like you recall a memory and you put it back, it's filed the exact same way. Well, those guys started running tests and post 9-11. Um where he recalled a memory, they were recalling memories and putting them back and found that you actually file them differently when you put them back. So every time you recall it, you change it just ever so slightly. I believe that. Which is why, like, me and you could have the exact same experience, but we would remember it differently. Mm-hmm. And the more times we try to remember it, the more it changes. Mm-hmm. So they wanted his aim for the research was... PTSD and like ways to alter, like purposely alter memories when you recall them to like cope better. But how much of our memories are accurate if that's the case? I would think that 
and being in this building, I'm saying this negatively about every single one of us. Sure. <laughs> um, people yeah, who are on I do their, this all the time. Yeah, yeah all, all, all of our colleagues and us were horrible. Terrible. I would think that we are worse about that because we tend to be, and this, because we're communicators, we're generally good storytellers. Not everybody, but, you know, probably above average everybody is going to be a better storyteller than the average person. That's why you go into this field is because you kind of got good feedback on that at some point in your life. <clears throat> but the more you tell a story well, the more you're altering it. You know that's true. You embellish it a little bit yeah. here and there, change details here and there. Yeah. And it's for every memory and for different reasons, right? Sometimes things are too traumatic or, you know, they're happy. So then you remember them and they're the best memory you've ever mm -hmm. had. Um, I think about that a lot with like my childhood and vacations and things like that was the best feeling ever. And I wonder if I go back, if I could actually go back and process what was happening. Was I as happy as I remember being mm -hmm. or was I as sad as I remember being or was I as mm, it's interesting. Yeah, I love taking my kids and doing experiences with them. I'm sure every parent likes that because, you know, just like if I told you, oh, I saw this great new movie. Well, I want you to watch it so that you can experience what I felt when I watched it. You know, I mean, that's just what we do. Mm -hmm. And I do that with my kids. I think everybody does that with their kids or, or people around them that they love. Well, I've experienced this cool thing. I want you to experience this now because I love it. And I, But I feel bad because I feel like I'm doing that too much with my kids too early. Like we're going on vacation. I'm taking you to Disney World when you're three. I'm taking you to this and that. Stuff that I didn't necessarily experience until I was a little older and I think I appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, will it have the same impact yeah. on them as they well, Because you older? already did it. Do you even remember it? Or do you just remember, oh, this is a neat thing, but I would have been just as excited if I had a new box of crayons, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's a real... No, you're right. I understand right? what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just a strange thing. There's so many things that you would never think of mm -hmm. as a parent that you're like, am I screwing this up? And I'm on this, the the really low end of that spectrum. I know there are a lot of parents who feel guilt all the time about, am I messing them up? Am I doing that? I don't really think that. But even little things, I do think, eh, maybe I screwed that up. Maybe I'm. Maybe they're going to tell stories about how horrible I was when they grow up to their psychologists. You know, I have no idea. But I think everybody probably thinks that way. Yeah, and not having children of my own, I only have to. I can only take it as far as like everything in life. You're doing your best, mm -hmm. right? And that's all you put put out more good than anything else. Teach it's kindness and virtue and just do your best. And it's good. And, and you tell yourself that over and over. But it's it's a matter of am I winning that battle in my head? Sure. Because I'll tell myself that and I'll tell my wife that. But I just don't know. You know, there's times that I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm wrong, though. Maybe I, I didn't do my best there because, I, you know, sometimes I'm like, no, I'm tired. Go away. I don't want to talk to you. Well, and it's <laughs> the most important thing in the world, right? Yeah. I think about it with our job or, you know, my friends or my other relationships. Am I doing my best? And I'll think, oh, I could have picked up the phone or I could have done this or I could have taken the dog on an extra walk or I could have. So there is self-doubt always. So mm -hmm. I imagine when it's the most important thing in the world, like those. It's amplified bouts, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just a yeah. little bit. Well, well, we'll end on that. Encouraging words for your, your Labor Day weekend that, uh, you know what, you're probably not doing as bad as you think you are. Uh, I'm not going to praise you because I don't know how good you're doing either, but <laughs> you're probably not doing as bad as you think Do you are. Do your best. Do your best. Do your best, and thanks for listening. You can get the podcast by typing in Wiggins America. You can rewind on the Odyssey app. Thanks for being here this morning. We'll see you next time. 
Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 